to Wellbeing Wednesdays, uh, our weekly podcast from the Office of Student Wellness. My name is Courtney Weaver. I'm your host. I am also the director of Well WVU here at West Virginia University. And my guest today is Olivia Pape, and she is the relatively new director of the Collegiate Recovery Program. Uh, so welcome, Olivia. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. And by here, I mean at home. Right, because we're being responsible and still practicing appropriate social distancing and that safer at home order. We're still rocking it. That's, that's important. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your role here at the university? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty new in my role as director of the Collegiate Recovery Program. I started in the midst of a global pandemic, um, but I've been working with the program itself for about five years now, since its inception. Um, and yeah, so really the Collegiate Recovery Program is, you know, working at the university to build a culture of recovery and of acceptance um, to really allow students who are in seeking or supporting recovery to have that normative college experience. Um, and we look at, you know, recovery uh, from all different things, including substance use disorder, eating disorders, uh, mental health concerns, process addictions, you know, so there's no just this program is for you if you are only in this area. Um, you know, recovery is really an ongoing process in which people are trying to improve well-being and strive to reach full potential. And we are there to support them in any way we can. Yeah. And so one of the things that you're passionate about and I'm passionate about is talking about issues like body neutrality and diet culture. And that's going to be our topic today where we talk about diet culture. But first, let's talk about that word diet because oftentimes people are using the word diet not to describe a pattern of eating where the ultimate goal is to like lose weight or change their body shape right. but they are looking at the word diet as to describe their pattern of eating so for example if someone has celiac disease and they have to eat a gluten-free diet otherwise their body will have an adverse reaction and that can vary as to the physical um, ailments that befall them um, or absolutely Right. And if someone is um, diabetic, then they have to make sure that they follow a diet that doesn't uh, drastically affect their blood sugar levels because they need to maintain a certain amount of them. But we're not really talking about diet in that sense, because when we're talking about diet, we're talking about diet culture. And it's a well, like billion dollar industry or more. Yeah, um, we're talking about diet with a capital D. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, it's I mean, it's a huge industry and and it's just uh it's really that we are living in a world that is designed to make us loathe ourselves and therefore the diet culture you know the diet industry is huge right so let's talk about what diet culture is and so for the folks at home this information was actually taken from the website of a professional named christy harrison she has her master's in public health she's also a registered dietitian and she's certified in dietetics and nutrition so she's legitimate source we had Cami Hot on here on one of our first episodes. She's the registered dietitian that works here at WVU. Um, and so when you're looking at nutrition advice, make sure you stick with folks who do have a, a, that RDN degree. Um, yes. yes. Let's remember that everyone you meet on social media who thinks they're a wellness expert isn't necessarily an expert in this area. Just because they've done some mid-level marketing scheme right. doesn't 
mean they have a degree. Exactly. Um, so Christy has some great information on her site. And so let's talk about what diet culture is. Um, and so one of its components is that it really values thinness and it equates health and moral virtue. And so basically like weight is equated with your value. Um, and so this goes back to what Olivia was saying that you spend your whole life thinking that you're broken or you're not good enough just because you don't meet that impossibly thin ideal that you see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, another thing about that, Courtney, is that it's this idea that, um, you know, it, it equates to your moral virtue, but it also equates to, you know, your sense of worth. And there's this big idea of my life is going to start when I hit this certain weight or when I hit this certain weight, then I can do X, Y, and Z. Um, even though it's, you know, perhaps an impossibly thin ideal you're working to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and another thing about diet culture that kind of goes along with that is, it's really looking at like, when I lose weight, if I lose weight, I've achieved this higher status, Uh, you know, which means that you're willing to dedicate so much time and energy and space and money, you know, into this whole thing of just, I want to shrink myself. I want to make myself smaller. Um, Even though, you know, some of these quote unquote idealized bodies are just really not sustainable. Right. Especially when you see, you know, celebrities on the cover of Women's Health or Men's Health magazine, it's like, you know, they train hours per day. They have, you know, a dietitian who's cooking their meals for them because they need to play, you know, Superman on the screen. You know, no average person is going to be able to maintain that kind of lifestyle. Um, And I think another thing about diet culture is that it likes to make us feel bad, uh, about certain ways of eating um, while elevating others. And you see this a lot with uh, current like wellness trends of clean eating. Yes. What was the way we were eating before? Was it dirty eating? Because that's the same same kind of dichotomy that um, you hear when you talk about STIs too. Like when people say, well, I'm clean, meaning that they Mm -hmm. don't currently have an STI, but it's like, well, what's the opposite of that? Does that right, mean that it's dirty? And that creates a dichotomy that is horrible um, because no person should be see, seeing themselves as dirty. Um, and in this way, it also makes folks ashamed of eating certain foods. Um, and then and that distracts from, you know, taking pleasure or purpose um, from your food and also just like strips away your power. Because if someone's like, oh, well, you can't eat that cupcake. It's bad for you. You know, is it going to make you rob a bank later? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Donuts have made me do some weird stuff before, though. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's this idea of the good versus bad. And I think I mentioned this to you the other day. Of um, I really even try to steer away from the words healthy and unhealthy. You know, to say, oh, this is a healthy food. Um, it's like, well, what does that really mean? And then we've also, again you know, we've put this marker on it of, oh, okay, well now we've got a judgment again, you know? So I try to look at food as, is this loving or is this not loving for whatever that may mean for me? Um, yeah. And, you know, when we're looking at kind of this diet culture, it, I mean, it's harmful in many ways, but it, it really is oppressive uh, for people who don't line up with this, you know, societal, historical idea of 
health and what that's supposed to look like. And that can be, you know, disproportionately harmful to women, uh, trans folks, people living in larger bodies, people of color, um, people with disabilities. And it's harmful, you know, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. I mean, having a quest for extreme weight loss is damaging on so many levels. Uh, it can really, I mean, take a long time to repair. You were saying something earlier about, um, like when we see celebrities on the cover of magazines, I had read about Joaquin Phoenix losing weight to play the Joker. And he was like, it became this thing that I was obsessive about. And there was no amount of weight I was losing that was going to be enough. And it's like, I mean, it's a brain chemistry thing. It'll really, I mean, impact you in some severe ways. Mm -hmm. That's, that's for sure. Uh, and so let's talk about how, you know, we as a society talk about food. And this is something that I've really been working on myself for the past couple of years, because I worked closely with a registered dietitian in my, in my past. And, you know, she was had these incredibly progressive ideas about food that I just really took to heart. And, and you mentioned this earlier about that problematic dichotomy of healthy versus unhealthy um, labels that we tend to give food that, you know, right. cucumbers are healthy, um, but you know, cupcakes are unhealthy. I keep bringing up cupcakes. I think it's because I want them. Um, you got a craving. I do. Um, and so I, I myself don't like to label food as healthy or unhealthy. I like to label it as like calorically dense or nutritionally mm -hmm. dense because it can be either or. It could be both or it could be neither. Uh, and so it sort of takes, it's very like neutral terms that sort of takes right. away that moral good and bad because if we start labeling food in that way you start associating feelings of guilt and shame with eating certain foods and and all food has value at the end of the day right right and, and i think you're right and it and it is very black and white to say this food is good or bad and you know striving to live more in that gray of how does this make me feel today um you know, and, and for me, like, and, and I fall into it too. I'm, I'm imperfect about this of saying, you know, healthy versus unhealthy, but it's like, listen, I can binge on broccoli. That doesn't make it healthy. You know, I mean, it's kind of looking as well at the intent um, and talking about, you know, how we demonize food, how we demonize the way that we eat, you know, and, and the attachment that we have there of, you know, oh, you shouldn't eat this, you know, because X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's a real, I mean, that's a real challenge, you know, oh, this, this food is bad for you. Oh, you shouldn't have that. And it's like, well, why? Like, so kind of exploring that a little bit, um, further, but I think that getting out of that black and white idea of food is either good or bad, you know, that's really doing us a disservice, I believe. Right. And it's incredibly pervasive and you see it from such a young age too. Because if, you know, a five-year-old says, you know, mommy, can I have another bowl of ice cream? The automatic response is, no, that's bad for you. Um, and so we take those messages and internalize them uh, and then bring them forward. Uh, and we still live in a place where it's seen as acceptable to comment on what other people are eating. Like, yeah. like I could have the palate of a 12-year-old. Of a so I still eat a lot of, like you know, macaroni and cheese, and I'm a big fan of chicken nuggets and all that kind Girl, of Girl, I have a tattoo of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we get along so well, Olivia. Yeah, I know, I know. 
But so, I mean, but you're right. And, you know, a thing that I say is, you know, I'll ask people to stay off my plate. Yeah. And what that means is, you know, having to set a boundary of please don't comment on my food. And that goes the other way as well, because, you know, so I'm a person in long-term recovery from an eating disorder. And for a long time, it was really hard for me to eat with other people because I would look at their plate and make an inherent judgment about myself compared to them, about, you know, how are they allowed to eat these things? You know, and there it goes again, that sort of allowance of you can eat X, Y, and Z and not gain weight. And that's not fair. And, you know, it's such a, like, that's not my business. Just like my food isn't somebody else's business. Right, for sure. Uh, and I think we talked about this yesterday, but I don't know if you want to touch on that checks and balances system that people tend to use with food. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's a big thing for me as well when I'm doing kind of an assessment of myself because, listen, I've been in recovery for a long time, but it is an everyday process. As we know, recovery is on a continuum. There's no end point. There's never a graduation. You are in class every day. <laughs> And so, you know, looking at those checks and balances that we do to say, um, okay, well, I, you know, I ate uh, this donut this morning, so that means I have to run 12 miles today. Or because I didn't exercise, I'm not allowed to have carbohydrates. Uh, I need to only eat, you know, raw veggies today. Um, and it's, it's another way of trying to keep this balance. And it's tough, Courtney, because it's like, that's not all inherently bad, I don't think. You know, it's like, oh, am I, am I more hungry because I exercised today? Probably. Am I less hungry because, gosh, I've been laying on the couch watching 90 Day Fiance for the last eight hours? I watched that show. I definitely watched Why? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have to talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and so, and so there is, there is a, a, a fine line. There's, again, this gray area of saying, responding to your body, but really examining, am I taking an action with food or, you know, with diet in an effort to fix something about my body in an effort to, you know, balance what I ate earlier, you know, a kind of, what are you hoping is the end result? Right. Right. Uh, and I think something that we see a lot in society today are these wellness diets where we see the clean eating, we see the detoxes mm. that people are pushing, uh, we see cleanses, and then the overuse of elimination diets, restricting carbs, that fear of gluten where folks say, mm. well, I have a gluten intolerance and science has shown that that's not the case unless you are truly diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, and so people they have a name for it, which isn't in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual uh, that you know, mental health professionals use, but it's called orthorexia. And it's where people are using the guise of healthy eating. And of course I'm using quotation marks and you can't see that. Uh, here's the <laughs> I'm doing a lot of nodding. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's so much easier in a recording studio because we can pick up each other's like, mm-hmm, mm -hmm, a lot easier than on Zoom. But anyway, um, you know, this term of orthorexia where people are using this restrictive eating pattern um, and covering up this their disordered eating patterns. Right. Uh, and right. often they're reinforced by other folks. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so healthy. Yep. Like, 
look at your choices. You sacrifice so much. And so they're like, well, if I restricted all this, let me restrict, you know, I'm only going to eat raw foods now and I'm going right. to cut sugar and I'm going to do all these other things. Um, it's right. damaging to your body. That's yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, that's a real, um, you know, challenge because it's not saying, you know, oh, there's something wrong with wanting to eat in a way that makes you feel good. And maybe that includes more fruits and veggies and, you know, less, you know, pizza owls. Like that's not, that's not what we're saying, but what it is is with orthorexia and with kind of these, you know, pervasive diets that really just get in there and disguise themselves as this is a good thing. Is it, is this, you know, overrunning of your life? And saying, you know, for me, that was a big indicator was like, I am unwilling to go out to dinner with my friends unless I am bringing a baggie of raw vegetables with me, you know, and I'm like, that is nuts. Like, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was making me miserable and, and orthorexia and also exercise bulimia is a thing that um, isn't in the DSM and, and is again, really tough to distinguish because right it's you know yeah wanting to work out wanting to feel good in my body and you know maybe i'm i'm intense about that but it's it's when you get to this place of you're losing pleasure or your choices are guilt-based or you're having this severe stress right when it's oh the the you know my diet today was quote-unquote off and i can't stop beating myself up about it or I didn't work out twice a day, you know, goes back to those checks and balances. And it's tough because it's shrouded in like, wow, shouldn't we, you know, praise people who are working so hard to eat in a way that makes them feel good. But it's also like, does it make you feel good? Like, does it feel good to limit yourself severely? And a thing I always tell people is like, man, you know what's great? Eating a cookie. But you know what's even better is eating a cookie without guilt attached to it. Yeah. that That's a very good point. Uh, and I know we'd wanted to talk a little bit more about body image, but we're running out of time. Uh, so perhaps we, I'm just going to bring you back and we're going to talk about body image on a whole other episode because this is so closely related to that. And it's, it's related to how we talk about our bodies just in general. Um, so let's just go over a quick few strategies about how to combat diet culture uh, that you can do personally, because I mean, it is this billion dollar industry and one person's not going to dismantle it, but you can work to dismantle it in your own life. Um, so something that we recommend is first of all, pay attention when society talks about food, because as soon as you start noticing the way it's talked about, it's, you can't unnotice it again. Um, it's, that's just how it is. And you're going to be like, wow, like let's really examine about how society talks about food, about I talk about food and make some changes yourself. So another idea is to refrain from commenting on someone's weight loss or their weight gain, uh, which you mentioned earlier about stay off my plate, because you never know the full machinations behind these changes, because if someone goes through a drastic weight loss and someone's like, oh my gosh, you look great. And they're like, well, thank you. I was diagnosed with, you know, an autoimmune disorder and it caused right. me to lose a significant amount of weight because my body was unbalanced chemically. Um, right. That's, right. Yeah, that's, that's not great. Um, and also if someone's, you know, says, Oh, well you look great after losing weight. That implies that they didn't look great before. And you know, all bodies have value and all bodies are beautiful. And so we really just want to get away from value is 
um, equated with how much you weigh. Well, and you know, I think, I think that it's good to remember that losing weight is not the ultimate achievement. Right. And, and again, it, it walks that line of you are allowed to feel good. You know, you're allowed to feel good about losing weight, but it's kind of the why. And also if that's the most, you know, useful and meaningful thing we have to say about a person, well, what does that say about us? Right. Oh, that's definitely true. Um, and then another practice that you could incorporate is to practice mindful eating or intuitive eating. And that's really where you're paying attention to like your body's hunger cues and your satiety cues, which is such a fun word, satiety. It's a um, tough word. It is. It is a tough word to say, especially on the <laughs> end of a week. Um, so no, like, am I hungry? Like it's really be present in the moment when you eat your food, try to eat without distractions. So like eating in front of the television or while you're studying or doing an ulcer activity, like just maybe take Start with like one meal a day, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, to just sit down and really be present with your food um, and see if that changes um, anything for you. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll also say that intuitive eating can be really challenging. And so giving yourself some compassion around that. Yeah. Um, a thing that has helped me with kind of tuning into those hunger and fullness cues is also eating with other people. And right now we're not super able to, but scheduling a Zoom like meal with someone can be helpful because then I'm connecting with them and I'm actually less checked out when I'm doing that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Uh, and then our final little piece of advice would be to look into alternate perspectives. So there's a model called Health at Every Size, and I recommend that people take a look at it. Um, it's based on three different principles, which is respect um, for yourself and for others, critical awareness, and then compassionate self-care. And if you all just Google Health at Every Size, you'll come up with some great information. Um, and I recommend that you research it because there are lots of different models of health out there. And I think this is a really inclusive one. So give it, give it a whirl. Uh, and so finally we have our well-being snapshot. Uh, and I think it's, this particular topic is so important in this time of COVID-19 because the number of memes that we have seen that's looking at, well, it's COVID-19 pounds and that's what you're going to gain in quarantine. And that, you know, beach season this year, or bikini season this year looks like everyone has a great personality. Implying Socially distance myself from the kitchen. Yes, like you know, uh, my my the button on my jeans is socially distancing from itself. Um, and so this is a time I think people really need to get give themselves some grace. This is a pandemic. This hasn't been seen in over a hundred years in this country. We are go your body will change. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. You know, gyms haven't been open. Uh, folks are maybe eating in ways that isn't their norm. Um, and I think also, you know, the weight gain jokes also imply a certain level of privilege as well, which is a whole other thing to unpack. Right, right. Well, and, you know, and, it's, and it's very fat phobic. And, and to me, I think one of the things that is like, oh, is that we're, I mean, essentially saying diet supersedes a global pandemic. You know, your weight loss is more important than your actual well-being of, you know, staying safe. And, and, you know, recognizing that COVID, this is a triggering time, especially for people with history of eating disorders, disordered eating. I mean, there's food scarcity. Things that you typically buy at the grocery store may not be available. 
you know, the gym is closed. There's isolation. There's constantly being around the kitchen, you know. And so I think, again, like you're saying, having some of that self-compassion, this is a tough time. It's a tough time on a myriad of levels and throwing in, you know, this fat phobic, like weight gain as a punchline is just really, I mean, so mean to ourselves. Right. And it's coming from not just from individuals, but, you know, from institutions are making these kinds of comments and, right. and it's really disheartening, I think, and, and disappointing. At the end of the you day. know, even, even with, and I said this the other day, like even with no one around to see us, we are still afraid to be in a larger body. Mm-hmm. Well, even in a time where, yeah, we're all kind of living in sweatpants. My casual Friday wear is pajama pants. <laughs> and, and we still have this great fear. Um, you know, we should be doing more to lose weight during this time, the, you know, the pandemic diet. Um, and so it just really shows us, you know, how pervasive this is. And, you know, we live in a society where, you know, the cultural language is commiseration through negative, you know, self-talk, negative body talk, talk about how we need to lose weight. And it's just something we have to challenge, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Olivia, for taking the time out of your day to come and chat with us. Um, we really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll definitely have you back so we can talk more about like body neutrality and body image because those are really important topics and definitely tie in um, to what we're talking about today. So thank you so much. And thank you to all our listeners. We will catch you next time on Wellness Wednesdays.